Good day, Amran. How are you today? This morning, I most aptly describe myself as bleary-eyed and bushy-tailed. It's um, <laughs> to say happy Sunday morning for Jesse and I. And mm-hmm. here, it's like pretty early. I usually don't say what where we're at or up to, but it's relevant today because it's an early weekend morning. Mm, <laughs> it's an early Sunday morning, which is it like is. pretty Jessie- sacred for all. As yes, far as and it goes. It's true. And Jesse and I, we are no strangers to the early Saturday because, of course, we met at working at the farmer's market. Well, we didn't, I don't know if we met working at the farm, but we got to know kind each other yeah. Yeah. at the farmer's market. We, That's our, true. Our souls truly met there. Um, <laughs> and that is a early, early commitment that Jesse still does to this day. So we're okay That's with an true. early Saturday, but we're not okay with an early Sunday yeah, unless Sunday it's for cold side joints. Yeah, this is <laughs> exactly. hard to give up. Nonetheless, yes. here we are. I, this reminds here me, are. I, was, uh, I was at an Amish farm like a week or two ago, and I was talking to this guy, um, and he was saying, uh, we were talking about church districts, and we, you know, we just covered the Amish, so we know that uh, Amish have church every other week, but on their off weeks, somebody else in their district is having church. And so I was saying, I just said to him, as this is a something I always ask Amish people, is next week an on or an off week for you? Because that's like an easy conversation right. starter. And he said, oh, it's an off week, but I'm going to go to my sister's church. And, you know, then I, I'm going to go to my brother's church another time. And I'll go to my parents' church another time. And I was like, oh, that's nice. So yeah, like, I mean, I understand they're like, they split so much their districts because they grow so much that their family is in different districts and they're in right. on Sundays. And I was like, oh, that's nice. So you'll, you'll see them around. And he goes, yeah, you can go to church every Sunday if you want to. <laughs> like it was a huge, <laughs> it was really, really? just sweet. He was like, that's oh, so yeah. <laughs> sweet. I love, if you wanted to every single, week, I mean, every Sunday of the year, if you wanted to. That's amazing to me as someone who like every Sunday, every Sunday was definitely the minimum with me. You know, like, well, like that wasn't even the minimum with me. Right, like right. with me, it was like there was two times a week was the minimum. And it was like, and, I, and the Amish often do do have a, a midweek kind of gathering, but but like in some communities, I think, but not at the same level, of course, right. as the Sunday service. So that is, that is very endearing to hear. It was, really it was like every Sunday, if you really want, there's, you know, that sounds a lot like this lady that I met here in Boise who also um, who goes to church really close to where I live and realize that and she is also always reminding me that they can go to church every Sunday um, if they want to she's like anytime anytime on a Sunday you could just you could just walk over and we're there every Sunday and I'm like yeah I get the concept you know where I am every Sunday not there it's the crazy thing (laughs) I'm at home sleeping unless it um whatever day today is (laughs) well tell her to get a little cult here and maybe you'll stop by I did say that the names weren't really doing it for me. I was like, give me a little more gusto. I want some vanguard. I want yeah. some, you know, revolution language. Then mm-hmm. maybe you'll find me over there. And I will say, actually, I'm being kind of facetious because this church is actually, this church that she keeps inviting me to is really progressive. And they, I will give them a shout out. They're not going to name them, but they've got lots of banners up all around the church. Oh, building. yeah, they are supporting all kinds of things. They got a Black Lives Matter banner right oh, outside nice. the church. We love to see that. Yeah. Um, and the full branding and everything like it's not some co-option of black lives matter it's, great. it is the bit so we'll give them some real 
credit. They really are. I think they really are pretty cool. But um, just give it a little teasing. I am not at this time in life a devout uh, Sunday attender of anything other than Colts I would join the podcast recording. Aw, thanks, Amarin. <laughs> you can't tell, I'll but I'm it that first. way. That's totally fine with me. Yes, yes, of course. All right. What um what alter not the way to say that? What what group are we joining today for okay. Sunday? Okay, girl. Yeah. I, I'm ready for you. Uh I want you to know, you may not know this about me, but as a potential cult leader. I yes. have some ability to read minds. So okay. I read your mind. I tapped into your psyche this weekend mm. via my patented method that I will sell to you. Oh. Um, and so here's what here's what you've been thinking. And mm. I accommodated you in this episode. What you've been thinking, Amarin, and you're welcome that I tapped into you. And I know this is yeah. <clears throat> yeah. this is this is me tra- channeling you. <clears throat> OK, it's speaking you've been thinking. Me. This has been a pretty sweet season, Jesse, but we haven't once talked about any matriarchal sex cult pyramid schemes. Okay, straight up. <laughs> as, as much of a joke as you were making about channeling me, I literally did think to myself the other day, you know what we haven't done? A good sex cult recently. A good matriarchal sex cult and is even better of course the matriarchal edition so you are channeling me and i will speak to your power i accurately done accurately done well amarin when you're right you're right i mean that's all i can say about that you know simply simply put simply said i love it all right okay so welcome to and tell me if you've heard of this one taste is one taste related to Netflix at all? If it's Tis. not, and I don't. Tis. Okay, okay. I yes. don't know hardly anything about this, but I did read an article about it, a high level article about it one time, like not not recently enough to remember what it said. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> I'm in a perfect setup here. Is there anything you'd like to say about matriarchal sex cult pyramid schemes before we get started? Usually I'm a big fan. Obviously the pyramid scheme is a question mark for me sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, I've discussed that this season. However, if the payoff is good enough, Mm -hmm. I can get behind a heavy bottom girl. (laughs) The payoff is great if you are looking for clitoral stimulation. The payoff is not great if you're looking for anything else. Yeah, yeah. Money, validation, lack yeah. of trauma. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Obviously, no really tough. There's all. It always gets. It always gets complicated, doesn't it? It always yeah. gets intense. <laughs> um, I I love that part about it, but it also is something we take with a grain of salt when we when we dive into <laughs> major right. sex cult top down. <laughs> Man, you know I love them. So here we are. Welcome. Okay, welcome to One Taste, everybody. Yes, there is a documentary about it on Netflix. There's also a great uh, podcast about them done by the BBC, which actually kind of kicked off like a lot of the controversy around them. So here we go. I'm going to give you, I'm going to do what I usually do is just kind of run down the basics and then we'll get into it. So One Taste was founded in 2001, or as I like to say, Ot One, 
by Nicole Daydon, who had a vision that women could achieve enlightenment through what she calls orgasmic meditation. For those signing up, Daydon promised 15-minute orgasms, greater emotional awareness, and a strong sense of fulfillment. One Taste invited clients to their urban retreat centers in California, or in San Francisco and New York, later expanding to Los Angeles and London, where they offered workshops and training programs. Okay. Uh, It it started out well-funded because uh, this lady is, uh, does, she does enjoy embodying a cult leader type persona. And so she definitely only bangs rich tech guys and funds her businesses with them to the tune of a couple mil, mil, million dollars. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Great. Um, so initially their, uh, their headquarters sat across from Uber's headquarters in San Francisco. If you want to just think about the real estate market and what that might mean. Um, they hired uh, executives and advertisers who had worked at CrossFit and the juice maker Adwala. I'm sure you're familiar as as an Idaho girl. Yes. <laughs> if you've hiked on a mountain, you've seen some Adwala juice. Yes, you have. You, yeah. certainly, you certainly have. They have endorsements from Khloe Kardashian and Gwyneth Paltrow, which this is. <laughs> Wait, really? Right? No, yes. Hold on. Of course they do. Of course they do. Hold on. Full stop. The, the glamorous and important endorsement of Gwyneth Paltrow, founder of Goop. 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 Yes. has endorsed this group well say no more well, listen. I, I don't want to i don't want to mislead you well no i i don't want to i don't want to like take us off course here but i want you to know no, that no. i did i did religiously watch every episode of the goop when they put it on netflix like <laughs> the in good faith one that they did it was like a partnership with the leadership i watched every episode i thought that was the craziest rich people shit i'd ever seen in my life that's because it's the craziest rich people shit yeah no it's i love i mean some of the stuff was like very real and they were 100 percent right they did like ice they they like you know at one point they like i'm pretty sure all run into a frozen lake together and it's good for their body because they're it's like yeah you're practicing ancient medicine like right, that's, yeah. that you just co-opted this from someone right. else. But um, they, I mean, I don't, I don't want to totally mispaint them because they do a pretty good job about saying like, this isn't, we didn't create this obviously. But anyway, I loved it. I'm so excited to hear she's on board with this cult. Now I know I'm even safer saying yes. Well, I would just like to make a public note here that I was putting rose quartz in my vagina before Gwyneth Paltrow told me to. So. That is right. Yeah, we definitely were a little. She's trying to be a feral girl without being fully feral. Like she wants to have the feral girl things without going yeah. all the way feral. And I love you, Gwyn, but it's not going to work. If you want to be a girl like that, you got to go full feral. Just a it's- note for you. Amarin speaks the truth yet again. And I had actually marked, I, I expected a long pause on these endorsements. And I Good. just, like not being tongue in cheek, truly not. If something is endorsed by Gwyneth Paltrow and Khloe Kardashian, the, yeah. you you couldn't pick two more precise names to turn <laughs> me the fuck off and make me never come back to that ever again it's a pretty bad endorsement like i am not trying to hate on the kardashian no i'm not either it's just not my thing no it's not and it's also and again i'm not supposed to be hate but like if you're looking for tried and true products the place you look is not for a kardashian recommendation it simply is not you know like they have endorsed the widest range of things, including churches, um, for like brief windows of time. 
and, you know, go girl, but I don't know one single thing you actually stand for. <laughs> no one is more divorced from reality than the Kardashians. And I don't, yes. again, like, yes. I'm not like, th- that's not even a judgment statement. That no. I don't mean it. I Honestly, just, like, literally, yeah. I've never seen people more outside of <coughs> reality. And that's fine. I guess enjoy your bubble. But like, I don't live in it. no. It's anything that they endorse is uh, like, I have now hit the power button. I'm out. So totally fair. Okay. Yep. So we, we agree that this is not the greatest list of co-signers so far. (laughs) Yeah. So that we've established that. All right. So in 2011, uh, Daydone published a book. Actually, I'm going to try to refer to her as Nicole because that's what all of her followers refer to her as published a book called slow sex in 2011. And in 2013 gave a speech at South by Southwest called female orgasm, the regenerative human technology in 2011. She also gave a Ted talk, which went uh, pretty viral. And that really, so they were a group since 2001, but they were kind of just like, more quietly doing their thing. But around this time, she got a bunch of publicity. And also her tech boyfriend was like, hang on, you're draining me. And I'm not really getting a lot from this. And so she decided they were going to up it into like, you know, QVC realm. So, oh, (laughs) I mean, not really, but that's basically kind of something. Um, All right. So, uh, so she describes an essential hunger for connection that especially plagues Western women. I think like all cults, there are some truths here. I think this is sure. true. Describes an essential hunger for connection that especially plagues Western women. I'm going to say particularly the Kardashians and Gwyneth Paltrow seem like people <laughs> who are plagued by a hunger. They can't satiate. I'm doing okay. True. Um, who eat too much, work too much, shop too much and still feel empty. The fix, Nicole says in the video, is OM, by which she means. So we're going to say OM, 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 OM through this whole thing, but it means orgasmic meditation. Oh, practice- darn. I don't like <laughs> when they co-opt stuff that's like an integral part of something that they're co-opting. Like OM is like, I, I don't have a problem with orgasmic meditation. Like, I don't care. Those words are fine. Right. They're just words. Yeah. But it's like, don't co-opt like one of the main noises associated with yoga. <laughs> Okay, the fundamental sound of the universe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's ours now. Yeah. <laughs> Did GM. you think it wasn't? This is a n- blonde white lady. <laughs> I'm rediscovering things for my own today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the practice helps men and women, quote, lose that sense of hopelessness that you will ever be reached deep inside. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a child. I'm a 10 year old boy. For some reason, I know they're not trying to like, it is innuendo, but it just got me for some reason hearing it that way. Uh, ironically, they never reach inside. It's all external, but um, <laughs> like specific, it's an issue I have with them personally. But okay, so she founded One Taste in 2004. This is the story that she tells about how she founded the organization. She said she founded One Taste in 2004 after she met a monk at a party who showed her a version of the technique she developed into oh now i'm gonna uh, i let me stress this the technique is clitoral stimulation so she met a monk at a party and he clitorally stimulated her at the party but he was a monk so he was like hey person i met at a party i'm a monk and i'm going to now touch your clitoris for a while oh my god (laughs) i guess like scooch over the cheetos and let's do this. Um, oh, right. So 
my first thought was like, she is very impressed with herself. And I thought, this is a fucking ridiculous story. None of this happened. Right. This is all bullshit. No, none of this. had. There wasn't a monk right. at a party. He did not reach for your clitoris. Monks don't do clitoral. Th- There's just so many levels. But then I thought, oh, <laughs> I'll bet this is a totally true story from her perspective, because I'm fully willing to believe that she attended a party and some dude was like, I'm yes. a monk. <laughs> Yeah, now I think you might be on to something. This does this does hear like a game of telephone a little bit, you know? No, like even I think she just got like really fucking gaslit. I think like right. it was yeah, just like exactly, exactly. Hey, blonde girl. <laughs> yeah, definitely doesn't sound like a full pieces of the story are intact sort of retelling. Um, I think he just I think it was a really clever like come online that like worked for him like if he were like she didn't like even hear him right maybe he said something else totally and she was like a monk okay (laughs) (laughs) or he was just like wearing a bathrobe right he was dressed like it's like he was like Augustus Caesar for the party yeah right right had come off you know like or he was did not think he was trying very hard (laughs) Right. Or he was like the big Lebowski and just like literally. I love it. I think I think in all likelihood, we have a pretty good idea of what happened, which is either that this is a outright lie, which I'm not. I listen, I don't like to start accusing people I've just only met um, through of lies, but it doesn't sound like the most compelling story I've heard ever. It stuns me that everybody just buys this and lets it go by. It's a terrible story, in my opinion. But what I really suspect is that this guy has probably used this line on women across the coast of California and has had mixed bags, but only one of them started a matriarchal pyramid scheme sex cult out of it. Listeners, if you have been scammed by a man claiming to be a monk, please reach out today and let us know. I think um, his original stick <laughs> was like, hey, I'm a drummer and I'd like to immediately start touching your clitoris. And women were like, that absolutely no. not. Get the fuck away from me. And then he learned and he was like, hey, I'm a monk and I would like to immediately start touching your clitoris. And they Are were you like, oh, interested a monk. in reaching enlightenment i am a monk here's yeah. how we'll get there um yeah no yeah. i could see it men certainly aren't and men's mm, worse claims and less true claims have been made to get laid and this is probably far-fetched <laughs> i mean listen i'm not mad at his game i just think you know like maybe okay sir it's sir yeah man who is out peddling this story Try uh-huh. to gauge your audience yeah. and try not to target a woman who is just vibing how much she would love to start her own matriarchal sex cult. Right. Because you're inspiring the wrong types of women. Right. It's you, OK yeah. if you want to go out and inspire a woman to like go to the farmer's market, return right. to the ocean, start yes. knitting. Those things are fantastic. That's sort of like a less chaotic feminine energy. So maybe mm-hmm. just corral your powers over yeah. to the more chill of the feminine persuasion. And yeah, I think we'll be in better shape. However, yeah. I do just want to quickly say this is a better technique than one that was tried on me somewhat recently at a club where a man approached me and said, 
you look like a bitch. Can I have your phone number? I promise you that happened. I, I, I truly promise you that a man approached me. He was very drunk, looked me dead in the eyes and said to me as if he was telling me I was the most beautiful woman he'd seen that night that I looked like a real bitch. <laughs> and I was like, I am. And no, you can't have my phone number, you asshole. And he left. So that was that. But not before he went, I like you. And I was just like, get out of here. But that's men. So anyway, just saying, this isn't the most preposterous theory I've ever heard of, Jesse. I I think you missed an opportunity to get a credit card number there. I feel like that guy wanted a mistress. You are right. (laughs) Sorry. Next time. Next time. Next time. So sorry. Yes. I had a small coughing fit there, which is oh, why no, there no. was a pause. <laughs> because I got so worked up about the idea of it. But yes, this probably was an opportunity for me to actually get some money out of an unsuspecting slash slightly suspecting man. Next time I will be more the wiser for it. I'll teach you what I know. Okay. Thank you. All right. So what is One Taste? One Taste is a business which was primarily dedicated to teaching the practices of orgasmic meditation, OM, and slow sex, which I'll explain. Central focus was a meditation practice around the sensation of a man touching a woman's genitalia. The company started to receive more widespread attention around 2007. Classes on orgasmic meditation, a trademarked procedure that typically involves a man using a gloved lubricated fingertip to stroke a woman's clitoris for exactly 15 minutes. They set timers. Um, Orgasmic meditation has strict rules and is supposed to be separate from sex, meaning it's not foreplay. Mm. The pitch to women is 15 minutes of meditative focus only on their pleasure and sensation with no obligation to reciprocate, um, which is the pitch, but it's not really the case. Men are told it will help them learn to be more sensitive to women's needs. The former members say it's often strongly implied that fellow Wente students will be open to sexual experimentation beyond the own. Um, Mm. So... The community is centered around a practice known as organic meditation. Let me, they're going to explain this a million times. Om is practiced in pairs with one practitioner stroking the female's genitals externally, while both focus their attention on the sensation with the stated goal of developing a, quote, connective resonance between pairs. So I'll just pause here to say, because I, I listened to tons of information about this and read a bunch of stuff. And so... Uh, the woman is learning. There are good things here. The woman is learning to be uh, less afraid to be touched, more open to saying Mm -hmm. what she wants and needs, more open to being okay with having sexual needs, all those things. The man is literally learning to empathize. That's, they need a class on it. This is, that is, I'm not like, that's not my surmising. That's, they say it over and over again. They're like, and so then I learned that I, like, if I was hurting her, I could stop in real time because I would notice. You can't see my flat, dead eyes, listeners, but they are (laughs) flat and they are dead and the silence is intentional. I'm not surprised to hear this. And it also kind of recontextualizes some of your perspective coming into the episode, having prepped for this and the way that you were like immediately hot on these guys with some yeah. of this. I kind Ugh. of under I'm understanding, I'm sure I will continue to, but I'm understanding a bit more where that was coming from at this stage because big old eye roll um from me on that one. I'm yes. telling you, 
this is my decade of working in the sex industry that like just got triggered all over the place in this thing because I'm so hardwired to be like, how fucking dare you think you can just touch my body? Like, I'll yeah. let you know and otherwise don't fucking touch me. And so like, this is such a place of like, uh, there's a real imbalance of like, poor young women and rich older men who get paired together. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me, it never stops making me mad that that men who are pretty desperate and they're desperate. Be, I'm sorry that they're desperate. That's a real human condition, but they're desperate because they never learn to empathize. They never learn right. to like give a shit about somebody else's needs. And now they're fucking lonely and starved for contact. And then, but then they're like, mm, but I got some money in my pocket. So like I can touch your clitoris. I can touch your clitoris. It, uh, anyway. Yeah. I digress. Mm-hmm. I hear you. It's a fair note. <laughs> Proponents state that orgasmic meditation encompasses more than just orgasm and it encourages greater emotional awareness, connected relationships, and a sense of fulfillment. I'm sure that's true. Others describe the sensation as a heady buzz mixed with equal parts wooziness and intensity of focus. I'm sure that's also true. Claim, uh, let's see, practitioners of orgasmic meditation claim that the practice nourishes the limbic system, the area of the mammalian brain responsible for emotion, empathy, and motivation. But these claims are unsubstantiated by any source outside their organization. So I just want to pause here and say, this is extremely Zendiky, And I didn't get into this with Zendik because we didn't have time to talk about them for 24 hours. But Zendik really, really believes um, in the power of orgasms. There was some wackadoo doctor back in like the 50s, I'll have to look into him, um, who his whole theology was that orgasms can heal anything all the way up to cancer. And that in fact, like large enough uh, single event orgasms could change the weather. Um, and and Zendik fully ascribes to this and it's a big part like obviously they're a matriarchal sex cult so they're that's a big part of their theology and so like literally if you were like sniffle sniffle they would be like you should have an orgasm about it (laughs) so that's a really fun phrase. Wow. Okay. I'm not against it. I do. I, I'm going to make a serious comment. I've been very facetious so far. I do love the like radical candor of these spaces usually yes, that exist same. where I really do love in all groups like this. And I see this a lot in matriarchal groups. That could be a coincidence. It's probably not mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where you see this sort of like higher level of inclusion and empathy almost where of other people's experiences it's i like it i like it a lot i'm yeah i I, mm -hmm. same same um (laughs) but let me just add my zendic boyfriend was definitely on this bus so for years if i was like achoo (laughs) he would be like oh boy let's get you in there (laughs) (laughs) we got work to do baby (laughs) all right I mean, like, but he would even take it so far as like, if he wasn't really in the mood, he would be like, you're going to need some work. Let's get in there. I don't want you sneezing all over the place. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. So shout out to Zendik yet again. Do some more, have some orgasms about it. Have some orgasms about it. One side note that somebody said in passing, one of the people who went to these said, um, and I, I heard kind of illusions of the same thing from other people, because you will learn. In these groups, these are classes, no different than Nexium classes, right? Mm. But the girl takes her, her bottom clothes completely off and spreads her legs in front of the class. Oh. Um, so it is 
that is different than Nexium class, right? But it's a it's a class. You're in a class right. of people you don't know. Um, and she, so that's that's an interesting, both empowering and liberating, and also like possibly traumatic experience for people. But this woman said, and I heard kind of echoes of it from other people, that it was the fir- her first time being naked and sober with another person. Oh wow, that really struck me. Um, that is striking. It it struck me how much maybe I don't understand maybe. Maybe mainstream Americans are extremely puritanical about their bodies in ways I didn't quite realize. Mm-hmm. This tracks with my life story, but um, and and totally disassociated with their not just sexuality, but even just entire body, mm-hmm. right? Because like your clitoris can be a sexual thing or just a part of your body. And, but these people, I'm not even saying being sexual. I'm saying being naked with another, these are people who are adults who have had sex. They've never been naked with a person without a substance. Mm, right. It really blew my mind. Yeah, that really that blew my interesting. mind. That is really interesting. Mainstream Intimacy America. Let me struggles. know mm-hmm. how, how common is this? It, it surprised me. All right. So now that is what one taste is. So basically, let, let me just set it up a little bit more than I wrote in my notes so you understand. They sure. have communal houses in all of the cities that they're in where people who are basically volunteers live communally within the houses. Um, and they are the bulk. They're the bottom of the pyramid, right? They're Or they're that next step up because the bottom of the pyramid are the people taking all the intro classes, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But they're, they're in that base of the pyramid. There are lots of them. They're so into the organization that they um, want any way to get into it. Um, and they can't really afford to just buy the classes. But also there are people who are, surprise, actually really drawn to community and you hear them say that over and over again too like well you know i was interested in the classes but i really wanted to be around these people all the time i really wanted to be at dinner i really wanted to be you know connecting with these people who i thought were cool right yes it just constantly bums me out that people don't know there's like just a communities movement and like you're you can do whatever you want with your clitoris in or out in or out wherever you like it's (laughs) it doesn't have to be a big part of it it can be a big part of it's totally your thing. It is is really sad that I think about this a lot, actually, and I'm sure that you probably do on some level too, in general with communities where it's like, so many of us have such similar like needs and desires. Yeah. So many of us. And like they, people are always like young people are always rediscovering this on TikTok. This is the thing you say. I'll be like, (laughs) Oh my gosh, we all have the same life. It's like, yeah, we have a lot in common with each other. We're all human beings. We're being raised pretty similarly. It's the same generation. Like if you think (laughs) about it, like we have a lot in common with each other just by being alive right now compared to the billions, billions of other people that have existed ever. Um, But like, yeah, it, we could do that real easy. I, the people like really think this is a bigger thing than it is. Like we could all just talk to our neighbors and start farming yesterday, you know? Yeah. And we could just like, we could just let the cities grow back and we could just like, we could do that where we have the power. All the people do. I, anyway, got, got on a tangent, but I am like, guys, it's right there. It's just right there. Community. Down with capitalism. You don't have to go after a crazy blonde woman. Like, listen to me. Don't. You don't need to be following a crazy white woman. You can just get into a community with a bunch of different people who none of which are like self-promoting and and going insane about anything. (laughs) Honestly. And let me take a pause here to just say the leader of this group is 
a blonde woman. A and blonde guess what? Woman. People constantly refer to her as striking and beautiful. <laughs> and you wanted to be just like her and you wanted to fuck her. And you, if yeah. you walked into Did you want to be her? Did you want to be with her? God, things. And uh, I mean, oh, she's so beautiful. She's blonde. She's blonde. right now. She's and just listen, blonde. And listen, blonde is a beautiful hair color. Oh, absolutely. Okay? It's nothing we about that. We love the hair color blonde. It's not that much more beautiful than all the other hair colors. It's is just, all I'm no. saying. It's it's just as radiant and vibrant as redhead, brunette, and dark raven hair. All of it beautiful. Blonde is not that much of an edge. It is not. I, I mean, like maybe if it was a natural like perfect strawberry blonde. like if i saw a perfect head of natural blonde yeah, hair sure. like a five-year-old sometimes has but it never grows to adulthood yeah. if i saw one of those heads on an adult i might be like okay we should probably rally around this lady uh, <laughs> this lady has the hair this is the hair we all want like that would make sense but yeah that's usually not what's happening in these groups i di- i digress uh, PSA brought to you by one brunette and one redhead. <laughs> yes. hmm, can you tell that neither of us are natural blondes? We welcome a natural blonde to come talk with us if ever need be. <laughs> it's it's not. It's just so weird that people do it. They do it every time and they mention it. Every, She's so beautiful. She's so blonde. It's like, okay. Wow. Yep. <laughs> it gets a bit old at some point. Yeah. So... Just worth noting. Um, so now we're on to what the controversies around this thing were. So the leader, Nicole, she is very cult leadery. She does micromanage. Every bad turn is aggressively pushed by her and her number one right hand bestie girlfriend. So mm. there are two women, uh, Nicole at the helm, who um, are very much revered as the leaders who everybody wants to please and uh, be sycophants around and yes, man, everything they do they're like, they f- stock their fridge with organic food. Every time they come at, like they cult leader, the shit out of these two women. And these okay. two women in, in return are like, you're correct. And here's every <laughs> move that I think you should make. So they didn't turn of- it down. Shockingly. When people began to worship them reverently, they were like, yeah, yes, we they like turned that. it. They, they turned it up. They cranked they it like, up, baby. They were like, turn down for what? (laughs) (laughs) Why would we do that when all these people are clearly so deluded already? (laughs) So unsurprisingly, uh, people constantly uh, compare One Touch to Nexium and to uh, Rajneesh Purim. Huh. Both of which had way better names. I'm so sorry. It's a name. It's ding, ding, ding. It's we need to get those uh, podcast sounds where you like press a button and yeah, we need like, a dinger. Yeah, we need a dinger. Mm-hmm. Right. Because this would be the point where I hit this like, we're going to talk about names now, you know, because I do this every episode. But <laughs> one touch, we're not going to dwell, but one touch and we're talking about female pleasure. Are you I'm not going to get graphic with this, but one time, one taste, just the one. Oh, just sorry, one, just one taste. Yeah, it's one taste. I just realized that. But you know, that yeah. To me, that sounds like the opposite of the female pleasure experience. That sounds like the standard female experience. <laughs> um, moving it on. It sounds now. like a drug dealer to me. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like it does. Taste is free. <laughs> One taste, then you're hooked. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that makes sense. So um, it's interesting. Many, many times, probably more often than not, there is a cult, and and whatever happens in that particular group dynamic becomes the problem for the cult. This is an interesting group because, um, well, for lots of reasons, but 
it, it interests me because, in fact, it seems to me that almost entirely the controversies are because of the pushy dictates of these two women who were selling a pyramid scheme. And it seems to me that for the most part, all of the people underneath them, the entirety of the time were like, this feels off. I don't feel like this is right. I don't love this. But they were so sold on the vision or the community or their bestie or whatever it was that they kept doing, or they were just so in fucking debt that they kept doing it. Um, but it, it's just interesting to, it wasn't like the group went wild. It was like the dictates were consistently unhealthy. So, all right, wow. here we go. Here are the controversies. Number one, labor exploita- exploitation. So people in this group, once you moved into a communal house, which you usually did because it gave you breaks on, on the classes. So you were able to attend the classes without shelling out as much money for them and then also you got the benefit of being in community which was a draw for the people who chose the community so right and i bet you would feel good too if you were able to get that in i just psychologically Uh i would say i bet that that was also like a little like it may not have been an intentional tactic but i bet it was an effective tactic to get people to feel like a sense of pride in addition to their belonging for getting into something that maybe has a higher clearance otherwise a hundred percent oh absolutely and and the big goal people would say over and over again was to be noticed by nicole right so mm-hmm. like you're certainly not going to be noticed if you don't even live in the house right so um that was like a sorority kind of put got put in like a blender with hell a little bit you know like this is this is but like a little bit of hell right just a yeah, tiny I was gonna say like the seventh or eighth circle in right the just inferno, like a right not the of hell center sororities yeah. and I, I love I love so many ladies that were in sororities so please don't take this personally but I I personally feel sororities already have just like a dash of that mixed in a little yeah, bit of sure. chaos and, and horror already little, present little eating disorder yeah, there's some stuff in there. Yeah, and that we already know about for a variety of reasons. And this really feels like if you just like put that in the oven and baked it for 25 right. minutes, you know, that's how I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, only it goes uh, sorority girls get ready to feel real good about yourselves because this <laughs> really goes off the rails. Oh my okay. gosh, I'm certain that they should feel very good about themselves as opposed to this group. All right, I mean, let's go off the rails. At least the blonde ones, am I right? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, so labor exploitation. So if you lived in these houses, you basically, and we'll get into what like a day in the life is like, but you basically like get up at 5 a.m. and work for the company. You work, 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 work around the clock all the time. It's all you do. Um, and when you do the math, you basically get paid pennies on the hour. Um, because you were an independent contractor, which is how I've been employed my whole life. So I get it. Um, and an independent contractor isn't entitled to a basic wage necessarily. It just depends on the contract you personally agree to because you're not an employee. Now, um, they were sued many times for their labor, labor practices and lost because, um, if you are an independent contractor, in theory, your time can't be dictated. You're independent, but they would mm-hmm. dictate their time uh, and then not pay them for it. Right. So generally people would get like maybe a hundred dollars in a month, maybe plus like a small stipend, which uh, I believe was around 900, but they're living in San Francisco and New York. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. Um, it doesn't sound like a group of people who are really struggling if that was the, the locations. Right. So, um, so they, they would get a small stipend to live on and then they would, um, you know, get paid maybe a hundred dollars for their work for like 
sometimes a hundred hours a week is what people were saying they Whoa, were doing. Oh, yes, okay. Yes, not yeah. good. Yeah. So people did win their lawsuits about that. Uh, next good. problem, pyramid scheme. Obviously it's the, exactly the same structure as Nexium as many others, not um, good. you know, entry level classes that go up, up, up. And we'll talk about the price levels, but it was sell, 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 sell. They had really shifty sales, um, tactics, which we'll also get into. So they got into trouble for being a pyramid scheme. I I couldn't find anywhere that they were convicted for that. But it was almost like they had so many lawsuits that the courts were kind of like, and obviously you're a pyramid scheme, so you should probably quit while you're ahead, right? You know, I've seen this before, and it makes me wonder if the government is only allowed to identify so many pyramid schemes like every (laughs) quarter, because I feel like they will randomly just do this when it's like a super obvious pyramid scheme and they have all the receipts to prove it. And they'll just be like, yeah, that's good. Go ahead. And they never really officially declare it or tell them not to do it, which confuses me. But yeah, I've never understood it either. But that's not those aren't circles I travel in. (laughs) But, you know, it goes without saying this group is is a fat bottom girl. I was just they're a fat bottom girl. (laughs) Oh, show. They also within their hierarchy installed uh, religious ideology up at the top of it. And and their leader, Nicole, has publicly stated like, yes, I'd love to start a religion. Absolutely. But like, we have to make money. <laughs> and in fact, one of the right. things she said was, well, yes, I'd like to start a religion, but you can't sell God. You can sell sex. She Take- said she's wait, hold on. Wait, she's quoted she, saying that somewhere. She's directly quoted as saying that with her. And face. she still has followers. Yeah, girl. Good gracious, friend. I may not have said this earlier, but she's blonde. Oh, I forgot that she's striking. Yeah. That's my mistake. But good gracious, like, I'm not, I really, and and I'm genuinely not trying to shame anybody for being a part of anything they want to be a part of, because it's your life and your money and your time. It's up to you. However, that does throw me for a loop, because, like, that feels like a pretty clear admission that this is all BS, well, you know, I would hearken you back to another famous person who once stated that they could kill someone in the streets of New York and still be elected president. And then oh. that person was elected president. So I'm just. You're you right. Know. That did happen. I do like to block that out since it did change me uh, we all do. as a person and ruin my life forever. But, mm. you know, um, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We're slowly clawing back a few rights. Um, so that, that was problematic. So in the hierarchy, she did, in fact, install um, priests and priestesses of orgasm. And they really did do like super secret, uh, very expensive, like $20,000 for a weekend retreat. And they'd get 100 people at the weekend retreat. And it would be like, uh, oh, the costuming. I said this later, but I'll just tell you now. It was like yes. black face covering um, and then nothing else on. And then like naked people dancing with snakes and like basically a lot of orgy action um, for the the priests and priestesses and then the, the high paying clients. Right. So cool. Anyhow, now that does intrigue me. I will say also, can we say dream job priestess <laughs> of orgasm? <laughs> All right. I didn't know this is the cult I was going to get you into. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> it's not. Um, <laughs> uh, also they were charged with sex trafficking, prostitution, oh. 
because former staff members were often reported as describing the whole operation as a kind of prostitution ring that exploited trauma victims. Former Wendy's employees also claimed that they were often ordered by managers to have sex with or perform orgasmic meditation with each other or with clients. So this oh, is Oh no. Oh, this is probably the number one thing that you hear from absolutely every person that's been oh, involved in that. Oh no. I went from laughing to squealing. I was yeah. literally laughing when you turned into this into this statement and then it just wiped it right out of my heart. Good gracious, that's you, dark. You got to stop drinking coffee when I'm talking cuz I do. You're going to yeah, this all is going to get worse and worse. <laughs> I'm going to do a little saran wrap over like all the technology here so I don't <laughs> on anything. The company used flirtation and sex to lure emotionally vulnerable targets. It taught employees to work for free or cheap to show devotion, and managers frequently ordered staffers to have sex or own with each other or with customers. Uh, one former member says member said managers told him to own or have sex with older, wealthier women right before Rachel, the second in command, or another staffer called to sell them another course. So let me get that chronology for you. They would say, I'm going to call rich lady X at two. So you go give her an orgasm at one. Oh, so they're doing now that I've never heard of in real life before, but they're actually performing sexual manipulation through. Oh, oh, okay. I'm up to date. Heads up. We don't do this in strip clubs. Like, no, yeah, this is something that is ethically not a practice perform. Right. <laughs> oh. Uh yeah. So members uh some members asked others to pay for their courses, often suggesting they'd offer sex or attention in exchange. They even called it hooking. Um they would say so one member says uh, a lot of women would be like I'm going to go hook this guy for money. Right. Because the classes are very expensive. You're supposed to keep taking the classes. It's a pyramid scheme. And so they would literally go to uh, it was populated by men who otherwise couldn't get laid, mostly older, Mm -hmm. mostly obviously wealthy. And then women who wanted to feel empowered, wanted to live in the communities, wanted to take the classes and couldn't afford it. And so they would go to these older. This was what they were instructed to do by the people in charge who were making the money they were instructed oh go ask this rich guy to pay for your course right and then the rich guy would pay for their course but then guess what the rich guy is your partner in the course well guess what you do in the course you fuck oh so it's a little not talking all the way through the end of that one situation but nobody misunderstands it Right. Everyone's very clear on what's happening. Right. I mean, yeah, listen, I lived in Omaha for a while and uh, all of the strip clubs when I lived there were prostitution rings and I couldn't make any money because I was like, no, I literally just dance on the stage. And people were like, but I can get a $10 hand job. And I was like, oh, not for me. So. Um, no, you cannot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, was, it was a bad market for me. It went poorly. Um. So I I ended up working. Um, why am I telling this? I had a reason. What were we just talking about? Oh, the, I the... believe you have a reason, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually I do know. Um, I ended up working for a call girl service briefly there, um, ah. which is the worst job in the world, and I don't recommend it to ever anybody because there is mm-hmm. an implied expectation 
right? And I'm saying this because this model is exactly the same. Okay. You never say, oh, I'm going to have sex with you for $100, right? By the way, I never did that. I never, never did that. Please hear me. I know. But that is, but it's a hundred dollar flat fee. Right. Right. You wouldn't say A person would not say that if they were, if they were going to do that. Yeah. Because it's illegal. It's illegal. Right. Got it. So you wouldn't say it, but all parties involved have the expectation. Right. So I was desperate and trying to survive and living with that uh, Zendik boyfriend. And, Uh, (laughs) and so I was, uh, I was just I had no other way. I was applying at fucking grocery stores. I had no work history in my mid twenties because all I'd done is live in communes. So I was just trying to get by. It was horrible. Anyway, I would go to the calls that I was sent out on very stressful, very scary. I understood what the expectation was. And then I was able to stand on, no, you were never promised sex. I, I assure you, you weren't, and you're not going to get it. Let me stand in the other room and pose in whatever way pleases you for an hour, because that's what you're getting, because that's right. what you were told you were getting. But I say that yeah. was a long digression to say the expectation is universal and understood. And these people were working within that model. So nobody said, I will fuck you for this class you're going to pay for. But it was no different than the call girl model in which it is fully understood even if you say with your mouth i'm not going to do this thing yeah it's it's the full expectation so that mm-hmm. that feels really i can tell you from personal experience there is no more weighty and gross and scary feeling than that expectation of reciprocation when you already got your reward yeah that sounds I don't Terrible. know that I can add anything to it. That sounds really, really sad and 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 scary and not fun and dark. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I I'm using simple words, but I think that that is just like something no human would enjoy being put in the position of ever. Yeah. You know, that's Mm-mm. just a very Ugh. scary ew experience that nobody should have to have. Um, and. It's, I understand why you told this story, right? Because it does apply to this and it is super yes. relevant because that unspoken pressure slash spoken pressure is literally all over this group. And yes, that yucky, is. awful, pervasive feeling is everywhere. Mm. End of that story. I never got second callbacks anywhere and <laughs> was uh, shortly fired. <laughs> They're lost. That's fine. <laughs> That's totally fine. <laughs> um yeah so and left that relationship so Mm. (laughs) all's well that ends well thank god yes (laughs) okay it's a good story now thank you for bringing us back up at the end there i like that Uh, by the way these women who were sent to these men to pay for their classes were then heavily encouraged to ultimately marry these men to keep them funding the group and they often did uh, so there's that. Okay, more controversy. Nope, 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 nope. No. Very triggering. Okay, yep, all good. <sighs> Apologize. Apologies, we're not done. Okay. No, no, next- no, no, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I don't like that forced marriage stuff. That's not for not me. Great. Not no, great. No, 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 no. 
Uh, so they also had a thing called aversion practice. And this was a big part of the company um, because I don't think it could have functioned without it. So aversion practice is the company's teaching that you gain power and expand your orgasm. So when they say orgasm, they don't mean climax. They actually mean the opposite of climax. They mean like oh. a drawn out sexual energy. Oh, right? that's what, I get that. I understand what they mean. Yes. Yeah. So that's what she means by the book being titled slow sex it's uh-huh. not your your goal is never a climax even in these 15 minute things it's it's to draw out that sexual energy i see yeah yes. so it's almost like i think i've talked about this before but it's almost like i'm obsessed with the concept of prana um or yes, prana. that's exactly it yes yeah mm-hmm. so like life force energy and it's yes. probably not the exact same energy but it'd be like a type and kind of energy that you're concentrating on basically if you were practicing kundalini uh, yoga and, and incorporating that into your sex life, you would rather than externalize the orgasm, you would internalize it and let it like reverberate inside your body. Exactly. Which is an interesting okay. energy. So Yes, yes. Okay. Because I'm very into the yoga, the prana yoga practice and the energy flow of the body. I, I found that to be very empowering as a person living in the world. Um, so I can actually understand what they're talking about here in a way. That's good. Yes. Enough. Yeah, I had a boyfriend that was really into that, not the Zendik one. And uh, he, yeah, it made him mm. an interesting and thoughtful person, I will say. This is the way, this is the origin of our podcast that's coming after Cults I Joined that's called like Sex I'd Have or something. And we just <laughs> talk about, <laughs> we just talk about this stuff uh, exclusively. Did the guy who was into Kundalini sex uh, play too much didgeridoo? I would say I would say yes. Is there such a thing as too much dish redo? Definitively. Yes, there is. <laughs> okay. So so aversion practice is the company's teaching that you gain power and expand your orgasm within the group um, by performing sexual acts that you don't want to do or doing them with people huh? you find disgusting. Okay, sorry, you're gonna have to start that sentence over again. One more time. What did you say just now? Aversion practice is the company's teaching that you gain power, and yes, it bears repeating, uh, and expand your orgasm by performing sexual acts you don't want to do or doing them with people you find disgusting. So it's very common. It was very common in the group for people, if they were bickering, to be told to anybody that uh, was having difficulty with each other, even mildly, were told, stop what you're doing, go have sex and come back. Oh, it's like a oh oh, oh oh never mind no um I was gonna say something that I have no interest in saying it was gonna come okay. out with. Um, <laughs> I it's but it is it is similar in a lot of ways I don't know I just I hate that like I, people are always trying to point towards this that like angry energy is sexual energy you know this comes up a lot weirdly yes and it's like people are always like oh well what you guys need to do is just like have sex because you guys actually don't hate each other you guys want to have sex people would like. I had a lot of like aggressive relationships with mm. men in high school. They'd be like, you secretly want to have sex with that guy. Well, that's all they would say because we were very evangelical, but they'd be like, secretly right. you want to marry that boy. And I'd be like, no, the hell I don't. I want to whoop him. You know, like yeah. this is not, and- I am not being unclear in my messaging here. I am not a vague person. If I say I want to beat your ass, I don't want to have sex. I want to beat your ass. You know, yeah. if I want to have sex, I'll come up and I'll like whisper something to you. Probably. I'm not going to come up and be like, I'm going to beat your ass. You know, like, that's not really how it's done. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm resistant to this idea. Noted. Yeah. 
Um, so one former member says the second in command saw him bickering with a coworker and told them that they had to leave work and couldn't come back until they'd slept together. He said, sometimes they'd assign Ooh. someone to be your sex manager for the week. Oh, they had sex managers for uh, exactly this reason to be like, now remember when we talked about like at Zendik farm where they would be like, Oh, I think it'd be better if you slept with this person and less with that person. They have a sex manager for each person here. And that person rotates out, but somebody's always telling you who to sleep with. Sometimes they'd assign nope. someone to be your sex manager for the week. That person would go on Tinder or ask the community and line up a person for you to sleep with each day do all the texting and tell you where to meet when the authority figure would say you're fucked up and sex was always the solution. Uh, I don't have any comments. I guess we just need to move on. I have, okay. I can't say anything. I'm shocked. Um, another former employee said you're pushed it. You're pushed to do it. You're cornered. Um, one employee said that the leadership, um, and by the leadership, I'm not saying the names over and over, but it is always these two top people. Okay. Um, and then uh, obviously the two top people are not the sex managers, but the two top people are fairly involved in in these kind of dictates. Like you should be sleeping with people you don't get along with. Um, okay. Someone ordered her to the second in command ordered her to sleep with customers and managers and people familiar with. Uh, the group, just like kind of outsiders that they were trying to pull in. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was exciting. Um, oh, oh. Nice. yeah. Then once you got up into the hierarchy, you could attend what was called magic school. And that's where they had those magical orgies we talked about earlier. Oh, fun. Um, yeah. So that's magic school, which again, now when you get into the hierarchy, you get into religion. Right. Right. Which is not at the bottom of it, which I thought was an interesting, like mid pyramid ad. Yeah, an, an, an unusual thickness coming out to the, mid, the midsection of the pyramid. Here. <laughs> uh, okay, um, so the another practice that they have is called killing. I thought this was really painful. Hold so on, again, what? It's called killing? It's called killing, where it basically like kills your fucking soul. So you oh. would stand up in front of the group and you would get that group feedback that we've heard about so many times in other groups. Cold um, feedback, great. <laughs> but so every morning in the houses, in the own houses, they would get together and do a group where they would express their fears to each other. Um, mm -hmm. like their deepest, greatest fears. And then people okay. would take notes of that. And then at killing sessions, they take your deepest, greatest fears or hurts and throw them in your face and say, like, if you thought, whatever, uh, I, I myself, I have deep acne scarring on my face. It's probably okay. my, my greatest insecurity. And I just told all of you. So cool. Um, Do, yeah. Privilege information. <laughs> I would say that in a fear exercise. I am afraid yeah. people will look at me and that's the first thing they'll see about me. And then mm -hmm. somebody would stand in front of me and killing, and I'm not overstating this. They would say, there's nothing uglier than the scars on your face. They're disgusting. And they're all anybody sees when they look at you. And then uh, they so would do like that exposure with exposure therapy, basically yeah, like the worst right. thing. Someone could, just taking the power, that was, but maybe like the heat out of the worst thing somebody could say to you. In theory, is the, the idea. practice would take your ego down so far that you'd kind of disappear. Yeah. See this, like this straight up wouldn't work on someone like me. And people would think that like, this would be something I would need because I always talk such a big game, but like this would, I would 
I couldn't survive in a group that would treat me this way. I'm not being ironic. Like I literally wouldn't make it. I can't. I'm too self-critical. This is so dangerous for people like me that groups like this are so dangerous for people like me who are not, who, who project, I don't know if you feel similar, but who project a really high level of self-confidence or, or like assurance but secretly are very anxious, not secretly. Mm. Everybody knows that about me, but like I'm riddled with anxiety. I just come across as really, really <laughs> calm. I'm told people tell me this. Um, so yeah, I would just cry and then disappear. Unfortunately, if anything ever like this happened to me in a group of trusted friends, I hate it. Mm. I hate I think, this. I think I'm an ideal candidate. I think that if somebody did this to me and you know, Hey, listen, I've had culty ex-boyfriends who have fucking done this to me. Yeah, and you know what you I can did? tell us that, you know, <laughs> I like laid myself down in front of them like a coat on a puddle. I, Ah. I, I went, I see everything you're saying. You're completely right. Yeah. Which is what you're supposed to do in these exercises. But I, I, I mean, it took me years to untangle that when they would say, you know, I mean, my ex used to say like, of course, of course I don't want you. Your own parents didn't want you. And I would think like, (laughs) you're right. You're right. And and hang on yeah. while I carry that and repeat it to myself for the next fucking decade, right? Like Yeah, let me just loop that in my brain forever. Thanks. I'm so I glad did. I added that to my my little my little narrative. That's exactly Uh-oh. what I'm talking about though, is that I would do exactly that and then it But then you work for them much. forever because who else is gonna take you? Who else is gonna want you? Right. I mean, if you buy it, if it really works, which it probably will, you you know, like this is a pretty effective human strategy to make people feel bad is to say the things that they don't like about themselves back to them. <laughs> um, um, and the script is for you to say thank you. That's actually the script, and that's what you. Oh, uh, so say it's after like full gaslight. Thank okay. You. Yeah. Yeah. So that's psychological abuse. That's <sighs> great. excruciating. So they would just watch people break in front of them. Um, nice, and they could just do again, that. Well, you know, it's a bummer because. Nicole was often a part of these. Often she was at the helm. And yeah. Uh, And I, again, I'm not saying this is hearsay. All of the articles are real careful to say the company denies all of this, but there's videos of Nicole being the person who did this. So um, I'm sure they do deny all of it because there's no way in hell they're going to be out here being like, yep, every single one, line items seven through 12, every (laughs) one of those, we're guilty, right? Like, no way are they going to say that. So I see you guys saying you're not guilty and I raise you, "Uh uh-huh, sure. (laughs) I raise you convicted in court, so. (laughs) I raise you, yeah, we know that's not the case. Thanks so much. All right. Um, So, you know, uh, something that members say over and over is that they were, as they were sitting in those things in real time, they mostly weren't thinking, Oh, I'm being so helpful for them. They were thinking I should stand up for this person, but then they would think one of two things, then I'll be out. Or what do I know? I should trust this process. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but that's what I mean about like, this wasn't really Lord of the flies. This is like, Nobody thought this felt great, but they kept doing it because they trusted their leadership, which was shitty leadership. And, you know, if there's one thing I could say to people right now, and this is not a joke, trust leadership less. I'm being serious. I make make jokes like this all the time in the episodes where I'm like, ladies, stop dating asshole. You know, like whatever. I'm being serious this time. Trust your leadership less. I... I and I of course like I don't know my, my my one of my direct managers is like one of our favorite followers of the show and I love uh-huh. her and and that's great so shout out to you babe but 
not those people, but like just people in charge that are supposedly caring about you and what's up with you. Don't trust them. I learned that lesson the hard way in college 17 times. I feel like we probably all did. Um, but yeah, healthy, healthy distrust of leadership. Good. They probably don't want what's best for you. So sorry to tell you. <laughs> it's possible. They want what's best for them. It's likely. <laughs> <laughs> so another um, group tactic was called, and by tactic, I don't mean like this is in their curriculum. So <laughs> mm-hmm. killing is part of their curriculum. Another, ugh, another one. Just hang on, Amarin. Just Mm-mm. hang Mm-mm. Amarin, swallow that coffee for the love of God. I straight up was like, don't <laughs> say it yet. I have to swallow my coffee. Okay. Now, please go okay. on. Listeners at home, swallow your coffee. Put that coffee in your throat. Let's go. The next uh, part of their curriculum is called skillful violation. And it is what it sounds uh-uh. like. Mm-mm. You're not violating what she wants. You're just violating what she says she wants. There is a phrase they use a lot so much that they think it's funny and it's on their t-shirts and coffee mugs. It says, let out your beast. And so the idea is that men in particular have a beast inside of them, uh, an animalistic, what have you. And so it is reported, the leadership denies it. It's pretty well grounded and also has gone through court and borne out. There was often, uh, not all the time, but not unheard of, physical abuse of a partner, male partner against his female partner in front of the group like punch her in the face or drag her by her hair. Um, And people would say, that's good. He's let out his beast. (sighs) And of course it's very law of attraction-y and she must've wanted that. And that's the dynamic that they create. Oh no, no, no. I expected more from a female run group. I'm serious. Uh, Okay. Nicole, you're it. out of the girl club. Nicole, you were not in the girl club. I don't know how to tell you this, but you if you were in at one point and you weren't ever kicked out by a gang of girls, which it seems like you were, and this is all compensation, um, you're really out forever. Yeah. You can't really sit bad. with us. Never. You can't knit with us? None of it. No. In fact, um, you may need like a baptism, a lady baptism. I don't know what that looks like, but you need to be rebaptized into womanhood if you ever want to mm-hmm. come back. You're not, you're a man now. You're not welcome here. And I don't know what girls are going to do that for you, Nicole. Not this um, one. <laughs> real trigger one, warning, real Uh-oh. one. Um, okay. We're going to talk about the R word. So if that's bothersome to you, skip over a couple of minutes, two or three minutes, I think. Um, the group got. <laughs> there was one woman who was in the group who had a lot of sexual trauma from her past. Now, this is her story. Other people have corroborated this story. Okay. Um, she has taken this through the courts. Uh, they denied, obviously. She says that the group, how she was in, got a group of men who they found on Tinder to uh, come in and beat her and rape her to teach her that it's okay for men to let out their beast and for her to help them do that. Nope. No, no, no. Yeah. We're all no on that. Um, All right. Founder says that she, (laughs) I thought this was kind of funny. She, the founder uh, loves a good shock story. They use the words pussy and cock constantly, constantly. 
These are just words that I don't like. That doesn't mean other people can't use them. They're literally just not like my personal aesthetic. I don't like them. I doesn't mean they don't. Else they can't have do them. not fit the cottagecore aesthetic. I don't they like don't. them. They don't. You don't like them. It's okay. They're not my thing. Uh, nope. Other people can have them if they want, but they use them again. They put them on their t-shirts. They really love those words. They use them constantly. But what's irritating? I feel like if I went to like some weird hippie commune and they were all about like a, being a weird sex cult and they use the word pussy all the time, I'd be like, all right, that's your word. These people <laughs> feel like they're using it like really performatively to like pussy, 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 like. <laughs> Aren't I like they're eight you? years old and they like just exactly learned the it. word and they're like pussy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Got it. No, that's, it feels like it every time they say it, especially when the leader says it. So Nicole loves that word. She says it constantly. And every time you see her get up and give a speech, she's like, I'm going to talk to you about the female orgasm. Like she can't stand how <laughs> edgy she is. And she's about to blow your mind because nobody's ever been as edgy. Oh my God. It's amazing how she's like outing herself for how vanilla she is by how shocked she is by the info yeah. she needs to share with you. It's like the rest of us aren't blown away by the word orgasm. You know, right. like it's- I've said it 90 times. It's 9 a.m. Like let's just breathe, <laughs> girl. <laughs> I'm going to say pussy a lot. And then later you can catch me at the Whole Foods. Yeah. I can just slide in and out of that rhetoric. You know, I can just be in that zone and then I can just pop out of there and be a normal ass human being later. Yeah. So, uh-huh. so she likes to tell people about how she used to be a stripper and that she was, <laughs> and I quote, a very highly paid call girl. And then she tells people <laughs> that she got $700 per trick. I'm going to say a couple things as a person who worked in this industry. <laughs> Nobody says trick. Nobody says trick. You got that from law and order. <laughs> trick. <laughs> Secondly, LOL, girl, if you're getting $700 to sleep with someone, you have exploited yourself. Check your prices. $700, baby. That's not top. That's not high end. You know what these ladies are making? Do you know that's what six these months of car insurance. fans ladies are making from their comfortable homes mm-hmm. right now, ma'am? Putting you to shame, okay? Terrible. Terrible. I have seen women take a pandemic, social distancing, men not able to lay a finger upon them, anonymous location, and turn that into cold, hard cash more than you're bragging about making for having sex with someone? I It's... It's a flop for me, sister. It's a flop. I'm embarrassed for you. And again, I don't like, listen, no shade to women who are in fact having sex for money. No. I know Uh -uh. lots of you. You're my sisters. You're all wonderful. Um, I just want to publicly say because I'm a mom and I have a job and, and, and because it's the truth, that's not, that wasn't my path. Um, no. because it didn't, it didn't have to be, and I didn't want it. And so no. it was not my path. So I, I want to be really clear in that, but I also want to be clear. I do understand the pricing because I do like know the other people involved in it. Right. And, and I, yeah, I had an ex-boyfriend when I was, um, working for the call girl thing myself, which I can't stress enough, like made me nauseous and was horrible, but sure. uh, because I wasn't participating in what was expected. Right. I it was yeah. not a fit for me. But I had an ex-boyfriend who I was friends with. And at the at that time, he was dating a girl. And he was like, oh, my girlfriend is a call, a call girl, too. And I was like, yeah, but I, I actually don't sleep with them. So it never goes great. And he was like, yeah, no, me, too. So 
he was like, my girlfriend doesn't either. I drive her to the places. And then like, you know, she's in there for like 10 minutes. And then she comes out with like a thousand dollars. It's so great. And she just tells them like, no, I'm not going to sleep with you. I'll just like pose for you just like you do. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> nobody tips you when you don't do anything. And they make you stay the whole hour to the dot because they're basically getting nothing. <laughs> Right. Certainly that doesn't sound like a traditional. I haven't seen this lady, so I don't know how much of a blessing her immediate presence is when she walks in a room. But I have questions. I'd love to chat with her. I'd love to chat with her about the strategy there. My goodness. Okay. That's a fair note. (laughs) I couldn't even break it to him. I was like, that's nice, buddy. I like that he's all in on them doing it together too. Let's just let him have it. Let's let him have that. I don't, we don't need to get involved. All right. Now we're going to get a little darker. So don't drink anything. Guys, just about to. (laughs) So Nicole, the founder. Now here's where you're an adult and you're responsible for yourself, but her, she's very clear that her father was, um, uh, he slept with young girls, um, And was, he went to prison with 54 counts of child molestation. What? Correct. He died in prison. And she says that she uses him at, that he used her as bait, which I have no doubt that that's true. Um, That's fucking horrible. Obviously, this is a major player in her psychology. Obviously, she's taken her damage and put it on lots of other people, um, which is not okay because she's now an adult. It's horrific. This is awful. Um, She defends her dad to the very end. She says in all of her speeches about it that she just understood that her dad was a higher ascended person than other people. And other people just couldn't understand that what he was doing was what he needed to do. And it was fine for him. And other people just basically like couldn't get to that higher plane with him. Yeah, no, it's horrible. It's horrible. Oh, no. So you basically just described the entire reason that this entire group was ever created in an entire nutshell because something really atrocious that should never happen to anyone happened to this poor little girl. Yes. Who is a poor little girl at this stage. Yes. And then she spends the rest of her life trying to create a world where this is justifiable so she can maintain a relationship with her dad. Nothing horrific. Could literally start. I genuinely could cry. Here, oh, like, yeah. Having it's the realization, like when you were talking about that, and it was just like lit- clicking in my brain into place. And I was like, oh, this poor little girl. Like, this, yeah. oh my God, that's so awful to hear. And that, oh man. And I almost made this comment earlier about how, like, when you see things like this happen with women, it a lot of times comes from damage that was inflicted upon them yeah. from men. I almost made that comment, and I'm not. Yeah not lying to you earlier in this episode to say like i wonder if anything happened especially when we started talking about this like beast mm-hmm. side right like mm-hmm. this idea that there's like this animalistic thing that men have to deal with which is not true let me just go ahead and say not true yeah we not know true. that it's in 20 it, like they're really they're releasing so much like they're releasing studies on this now and it's really interesting to see but like the male and female processing like it's different biologically in some ways, but it's not that different. And men do not live with a resting beast inside of them that's mm. waiting to wake up and just be awful. That's not real. Um, and that rhetoric just sounds really childish. Yeah. And so to hear it, yeah. Well, I it was made. We're not going to talk through it. Yeah. 
It was made by an inner child. Let's, you know, be clear. It's very hurt, very sad inner child. Yeah. Um, it's horrible. Wow. So she okay. Goes on, she goes on to say, let's go ahead and go back to, we can and do have a million percent sympathy for this child. As an adult, she has used her power very badly. So there is video of her giving speeches to her classes. She often brings up this thing about her dad. Um, and she says, she's very clear, a big part of this, no surprise, there are no victims, right? There are no victims. Nobody's a victim <laughs> oh, anywhere. No, so that's, no, no, no. Where did we get that from? Every other cult we've ever heard of, particularly Nexium. Uh, so, uh, okay. Her number one in command said, this is a direct quote, I wrote it down. The real way to reflect rape like to or to deflect rape I deflect. Wrote it down okay the real way to, way to deflect rape is to turn on 100 percent because then there's nothing to rape actually oh my god yeah um so this does make me feel really nauseous um i am really um so i apologize because i'm gonna sound a little scattered because this is not unfamiliar rhetoric to southwest missouri um either and i'm just gonna right. say that this is a thing that within some groups um, that i won't call out specifically did teach this in southwest missouri as well as a as a thing which very much the like path of least resistance is the right way to protect yourself as a person because um, then you're not <laughs> you're not being raped because you liked it exactly that is literally yeah. a thing which of course um women know that's not and uh you know a good a good good chunk of men know as well that's not how this works um but and i think we can assume that that's not geographical to our area so much as it is maybe a part of a culture of poverty or part of a culture you're of, right and that's in important. education you know i'm sure there are lots of pockets where people teach that horrible shit yes um, Here's another quote from the founder who's explaining yet again that like nobody can be raped and nobody's a victim. And she says, here's our new T-shirt. I got raped and all I got was a victim story. Or then she says, how about I raped someone and all I got was a perpetrator story. Really damaged people here. Yeah, really I really turned the tide on with that one. Um, really desperate to protect her narrative here. Yeah, I really, really hate that. Even her audience was like, Ugh. and she was like, oh, whatever. I'm so shocking. Like, oh, no, you're damaged beyond words. <laughs> this, is, this is where, like, this is where audiences hold, like, this is where the, you know, like, we usually don't talk about groups where audiences, like, hold the weight also of the leaders. And I'm like, you should be ashamed. Um, right. But this is one. I don't actually, based off, I mean, I mean, I am making this, having learned about this cult all within the last hour or so, so I do want to say I could be wrong, listeners, but um, with everything that I've learned, this is one where I say, as an audience member, when you hear something like that, your social responsibility is to remove yourself from the group. Like, it's just unacceptable. I don't care how much you like the people or the, the potluck. Yeah. You better get out of there. You better hightail out of there if somebody's out there saying that it's no big deal. Yeah. No big I, deal. Making light of something so traumatic for so many people, unacceptable. I just, wow. Obviously. I don't think anybody is going to be like, Amren, what are you talking about? And we was, get it. 
the last time I went to my sister's church, which I loved very much, was uh, when mm-hmm. some dude said something insanely sexist from the pulpit and I had to stand up in the congregation and say, I'm leaving now. <laughs> this is awful. You should be ashamed. Yeah. So. Good for you. More of that. I'm all about publicly shaming. You know, like like we talked about, what is the Quakers going into the church? Just, yeah, you're all wrong. Everything <laughs> you're doing is not good. That's going to be me with this group moving forward. Fuck your podium and fuck your hymnals. Yeah. All right. Exactly. So let me talk fast because we're really rolling on here. Um, 2016 is when they got hit with a bunch of lawsuits. Uh, so they did change some things. Then they started using timesheets for their labor started. Um, I believe they started paying minimum wage for. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a safe and a respectful business practice. <laughs> yes. Um, they stopped having wide open uh, visible clitorises in all of their um, groups at, at the entry level not at the houses but Whoa. at the entry class level that's um, a they, backward slide in my opinion yep <laughs> they they did still do the oming practice but over okay. close um but it, in the background they were still doing all of the same practices all right let's talk a little bit of money um okay. so uh just a couple of examples here one person said that she had Hours after she'd looked at the website on like whatever, you know, clickbait link she clicked on hours after she got a call from overseas from uh, one taste uh, saying that they saw that she looked at their website. She could enroll in the classes right now. And if she paid right then on the spot with a credit card, she could get a large discount. So they are really, (laughs) really they spend hours every day calling people to sell in this way. Um, at an at an event, one taste staffers tell people about. So they have like kind of free. They put out um, pamphlets on college campuses and places like that that say like, you know, if you like yoga, you'll probably like orgasms. And you know, so and then they yeah, get people yep. in. They immediately tell them about their 199 introduction to ohm class, um, and then so they get people. That's the entry level is 199. Currently, students pay 499 for a weekend course, 4000 for a retreat, 12000 for the coaching program and 16000 for an intensive. Um, in 2014, Wente started selling a year long $60,000 membership, which lets buyers take all the courses they want and sit in the front row where Nicole will see you. Um, staffers also record, encourage students to repeat courses, telling them that the experience changes as they progress. Volunteering at events can lead people to work for the company full time, usually in sales. Former staffers say they were trained to target young, beautiful women and awkward, wealthy tech guys. Mm-hmm. They go out into the public with slow, with T-shirts that say the pussy knows uh, and how's your orgasm, because those are conversation starters, not with me. Um, female employees were told to wear lipstick, heels, and short black skirts. And one taste says that's just professional. (laughs) Um, yep. I've heard that line too. (laughs) didn't work on me. (laughs) Uh, same. At one taste events, attendees often played communication games, prompting them to share vulnerable stories. Former staffers say they took notes. So people, so they would play these these communication games in which again people would say you know like hey what's your most vulnerable thing you can expose yourself with but then people would the sales people would make a file on them while they were talking Mm -hmm. and then at the sales pitch they would send in the best match for that person oh your kitten just died my kitten just died like but not even like that like 
Hey, I'm Bob. Sorry if I seem a little down. My kitten just died. Oh, yours did too. Who knew? Right? Like, mm-hmm. so that was how they would target people, which is pretty fucking manipulative. Um, before sales events, staff often watched one of the favorite YouTube videos of Rachel, the co or not co-founder, but the second in command. It's a clip of lions hunting in a pack. Um, then they would call the customers marks and refer to themselves as lions and tigers. They also refer to themselves as fluffers. Amarin, are, can we expect that everyone knows what a fluffer is? Um, I know what a fluffer is, but I'm, I don't know if we can expect that everybody knows what a fluffer is. On a porn set, a fluffer is a person who keeps the penises in working condition so that they can go back out onto the set and do the filming. So you right. fluff them in whatever way. You are a professional fluffer. Kudos so to they, the person that titled that job. It's really great, actually. Well, well done. Could have been, could have been much nasty, worse. Nasty, and it's fluffer. So that's I love nice. it. Yeah. Um, they encourage students to take out multiple credit cards to pay for courses, <laughs> um, and also to turn to sites such as GoFundMe. Um, Oming did allow people to sometimes reach orgasm, but not all the time, um, rarely for some people. Um, instead, the draw was more about the community and the purpose. And so when people would be struggling with that kind of thing, they would go to Rachel, the second in command, and Rachel would help them apply for a new credit card. Queen. To get them more classes. Um, One Taste teaches their members that money is just an emotional obstacle, which leads people to go into tens of thousands of dollars in debt. Um, One of their sales tactics was um, you make the pain bigger and then you provide a solution, right? So a person says, uh, you know, you say, why are you here? Well, um, I'm lonely. And then you go, can you imagine if you were lonely for the rest of your life? And then you provide the solution to that, which is to buy classes, right? So you you take whatever they say. say, Imagine that's for fucking ever. Um, I'm going to start doing that to people just to get them to like do what I want. (laughs) Just like, can you imagine and know me forever? You know, (laughs) you better do this. You're listening in real time to me creating a monster. I'm sorry. I'm getting, I'm getting brighter and wiser with every passing line. Yes. Everybody just be aware of the moment that Amaran bleaches her hair. And that's when we're going to need to really watch it. The second time. Yeah. If it ever happens mm-hmm. again, straight up, put me in a padded cell. All right. I, moving on. You look pretty either way. Um <laughs> Okay, so another big critique was that when women weren't selling enough, they would say a more turned on woman sells better because she projects how turned on she is. So if you were making (laughs) money for the company, you were turned on, which is good at growth. And if you were not making money for the company, you were not turned on. You were bad at growth, right? Um, Another selling quote that they use constantly is when people were like, I don't know, I probably shouldn't like mortgage my future. They would say... (laughs) orgasm doesn't wait (laughs) now that is a line thank you guys that's pretty good orgasm doesn't wait (laughs) so get after it um so another so back to the fluffing they did what was called fluff calls and i thought this was kind of extra shitty so people who were signed up for early on classes and might be nervous they would call them up and they would say hey i'm just checking in on you a couple days out i want to make sure that you're emotionally prepared i want to make sure that like you know because this is going to be a raw experience for you that would make that person feel really 
cared for. Like, oh, yeah, they really are into this. But they would have a spreadsheet open on the other end. And then whatever you, you know, they would say, like, is there anything, you know, that emotionally you feel like is going to come up for you? Then they would put you on the fucking spreadsheet, color code you as far as like how much you're, they think you're willing to buy. Okay. Red, yellow, green. Yeah. And then your emotional triggers were on the spreadsheet so the salesperson again could be like oh sorry i'm sad my kitten just died oh you too i didn't realize okay hold up hold on now wait is this a sorority is it because (laughs) that i think is an actual sorority tactic to like write down stuff you already know about people and then you i could be wrong but no i think it is also here's a fun fact and hopefully this girl is listening to the podcast i used to have a best friend and she did this um with all of the things about me including me being adopted and it turned out all of it was a lie she wasn't (laughs) any of the things that she said she was she told me to just to be relatable because she was worried i was gonna steal her boyfriend (gasps) and so she wanted to neutralize me as a threat so she told me she took all this information she had about me and she told it to me first and so (gasps) I was like oh my god that's crazy I was raised in this situation oh my god I've always felt unwanted because I was adopted at birth oh my god I have a sister that I met whenever I was later in life because of the adoption thing literally took my story, took my narrative, my life story, told it to me first to get me to be like, oh my God, we are the same person. Then that was not true. None of that was true, which obviously came out over time. Ladies, if you're considering doing that to to neutralize a threat, don't because you can't sustain it with the person that did live the life, right? Like at some point I'm going to say something relatable and you're going to look at me blank and I'm going to be like, but we we both had that experience though, didn't we? Right. And then I'm gonna realize that on? that didn't happen. Wow. Anyway, I- that was me airing some trauma on the podcast. And if you are listening, you know who you are. And yes, it still hurts. It's okay though. <laughs> I'm just, this is very upsetting in every way, and I don't. It really happened. It's amazing. It was so shocking. It was so shocking down to like prior relationships with, with like negative prior romantic relationships that left me with trauma, like emulating those and the I'm, trauma and triggers too. Listeners, you can't see me, but uh, my mouth is agape. I've never actually shocked Jesse this much ever. And it's, I, that's why I kind of relish in the story a little bit and I'm going to back <laughs> off now, but she, she looks so stunning. Shocked. It was a very stunning story and um, it, I wish I was joking when I say that it still kind of messes with me. So to this day, when a girl says to me, oh my God, we have so much in common. So like, I feel like we're, we like are like the same person. It literally makes me think to myself, I should stop being friends with this girl now because she's probably stealing my life story. That's true. I'm, I'm, a, I'm shocked and I'm appalled. <laughs> I don't like anything that's happening right now. Yep. So I've had this experience and I don't recommend it and I don't like it. Let's get back to it. <laughs> Wow. Noted. Okay. Whew. That is. <laughs> My little, that a little trauma, fun. a little trauma for Jesse today that she wasn't expecting from me. Yeah. Sometimes you hit me with some shocking stories. So today was my turn. <laughs> <laughs> fair. Turnabout's fair play. Okay. 
So now we are down to your first day in class. Here's how your first day in class is going to go. One woman okay. said, I had been worried that I would be surrounded by desperate old men, men, but was pleasantly surprised. Most people were attractive with diverse looks. Half of them were women. I didn't know at the time, but that was a ruse. In fact, most paying attendees were indeed men, prominently affluent tech guys who'd struck out with dating and female one taste members disguised as participants who were making up the numbers. Yay. Um, Yeah. So, uh, so here's how it goes. Okay. So here's your first day in class. So two people go, they just call out uh, two people. They come up to the the front. Um, These are people who understand how the process works already. The pair who may or may not be together romantically call each other research partners, a woman's clitoris. So she takes off her pants and gets up on a table and opens her legs in front of the class, right? Right. Um, A woman's clitoris is stroked in a very precise manner while every sensation and visual observation gets communicated in an emotionally detached way being uh, between the giver and the receiver. So they might say, I feel a tingling in my left toe, or he might say the lips of your vulva are turning dark pink. The aim is not to climax or hook up, but to feel your own bliss and become a new woman turned on. So then a teacher gets up and writes on the whiteboard. They write orgasm 1.0 and orgasm 2.0. Um, 1.0 is the outdated model. It's too focused on climax. It's an experience represented by a sharp upwards curve and suddenly dropped away. Slow sex, on the other hand, is described by Nicole in her book, uh, with, that's the gateway to orgasm 2.0 and is the new uh, erotic paradigm. Better communication, less shame and guilt, more authenticity and depth. What's not to love? I'm on board so far. Um, so then they they tell you. So here's here's how the clitoral stimulation works. It's the upper left quadrant of the clitoris or the one o'clock position. It can't get any more sensitive than that, they tell you. This is where all the nerve endings come together. To retrain the desire center point in our brain, we need to do daily orgasmic meditation, um, and they call it a form of body hacking. And then they use the word pussy a lot. Um, (laughs) We are encouraged to... So then you're in the class. Then you're... This is... I can't... My least favorite part of church is when they force you to shake hands with or hug your neighbor and like tell them something wrote about them. Like, you look yeah. like a great person. Jesus loves you. So they're encouraged to walk around the room asking others, would you like to own? Which is saying, would you like to stroke my bare clitoris? Um, right. Which again, like, I like to think I'm real cool about these things. I would not enjoy this exercise. I don't want to go up to somebody and ask that. That doesn't feel empowering to me. Um, I guess it does to other people. The other person had to reply with an honest yes or no. No further explanation needed. It felt very liberating to many people not to take anything personally. Their answers reflected only their preference, not a rejection of you. Okay. I guess that's something. Um, Then the demo starts. So. The person up front pulls down their skirt and their partner comes closer. So this one says she laid down in front of us, naked legs spread open. Paul put latex gloves on and rested her hands on her thighs to ground her. He dabbed lube, a special one you could only buy from one taste, on his left index finger and started with a rhythmic stroke, gentle like the flutter of an eyelid. Natalie made sounds. Paul looked dreamy and concentrated, strumming her like a guitar while she instructed him more to the left. She moaned. He smiled. She came. 
Uh, then he placed her hand on his, <clears throat> I'm sorry, her hand on her vulva to ground her again. The 15 minutes were up. It's always 15 minutes. Oh. Um, we were instructed not to clap, but instead to express what we felt without any emotion or fantasies, just a non-judgmental observation of sensations in our own bodies. So then this person was staying at the Ohm house. So this person went back later and was just instructed to go ask one of the Omers to Ohm with her. Right. So she goes up to a guy and says, you know, will you own with me? And he's basically like, ah, yes, <laughs> because he has to do it all the time. <laughs> so they go to a, a place, you know, cordoned off for that. And it says uh, Gordon was equally clinical. They were both in. You're supposed to be clinical. Our okay. eye contact stayed neutral. I'll touch you now, he announced, lowering <laughs> his hand. I wanted more than less. And I voiced it. Thank you, was his calm reply every time, like a human vibrator or remote control. Then the timer went off on his phone. Two more minutes, he said. We gave each other precise feedback about what we had felt in our body, and that was all we ever spoke. Okay. So that's that's kind of, that's day one in the class. Now I'm going to give you a day in the life, and I will do my best to talk quickly. Um, so here's a description from one member. She started living in the communal house in Brooklyn with her coworkers. She says, seven days a week, they gathered for multiple rounds of orgasmic meditation or OM. They spent hours calling and texting people who'd come to a one-taste event or who had clicked on something online, trying to sell seats for the next more expensive class. The company hosted evening OM circles in Manhattan, sometimes held 30 or more pairs of strokers and strokees in one room. The fully clothed men concentrating on their moving fingertips while the women, naked from the waist down, moaned and wailed inside. Afterward, uh, this person and her co-workers would run that night's one-taste event where they set up chairs, jogged the microphone to attendees, and chatted up more sales leads. Um, let's see. I'll get back to something I noticed in this. Life at the Ohm House was relentlessly scheduled. Every morning around 7 a.m., staff convened for two rounds of Ohm, switching partners midway. Are you hearing this? You have to have two orgasms for half an hour every morning. Listen, I was about to, I was about to yeah. stop you and say, Jesse, I know we're trying to move through this because we're already lengthy in the episode, but I have to stop for a second and say... I'm not cut out for this. Ain't nobody got time for that. Okay. I can't keep up with these people. It's that it's too demanding. I, I don't have time. I have other stuff I want to do more most of, <laughs> most of the time. Same girl. I'm yeah, confused. I don't, same, same. Yeah, it's uh it's all an interesting I don't like I don't have that much time for yoga. And I want to, so I would. I wish I could go deeper into my yoga practice. I certainly don't have time to elevate right. this, take anything else as seriously as they are taking this. I need to have time to put my moisturizer on in the morning. And that's right. That's a big maybe. So, yeah. So also, I just feel like I there's a point at which orgasms are energizing and there's a point at which they are draining and i feel like they're right. crossing the line into draining but all right then came an aa inspired fear inventory that's a that's an aa practice the fear inventory we talked about earlier writing out and sharing our worries with a partner former staffers say they were encouraged to report to management if they heard others express doubts about one taste oh so in the fear thing if you said something doubtful about the company you got reported for that Okay. Uh, then everybody goes to Bikram yoga. Then they cook, they clean, they spend several hours making calls from around a table, tracking their projects, 
progress with the sales team. Uh, After an afternoon round of oming again, they leave to run the evening's public sessions. Um, We already talked about their money, so I'll skip that part. Uh, Workers exhausted by the long hours were told they should own more. That orgasm is an endless energy source. Um, Some former staffers say frequent ohm sessions left them in a constant state of emotional and physical rawness. I would think so. Oh, yeah. Uh, That combined with a lack of sleep blurred their ability to think clearly. During morning check-ins, one member who's talking about this in the interview and her co-workers talked about feeling turned on. If they didn't feel turned on, Rachel, the second in command, or someone else would drill down that they weren't feeling uh, on why they weren't feeling excited to sell. Someone who wasn't hitting sales goals was uh, deemed off the rails or in need of more ohm or sex. So they would be told regularly to go sleep with someone also in the houses um you get no private space i've talked about this before and i won't harp on it but in like real communities where you're not being exploited private space is really valued um whether or not you think you need privacy you certainly need room to like decompress um Mm -hmm. and not be overstimulated so that you can arrange your thoughts and say not be manipulated by other people so uh, not only were they sleeping in communal bedrooms, they slept in communal beds. You slept two people to a bed and it was not your decision who you slept with. Mm. So it was real, real, real communal. I've lived in real communal places uh, and I have never <laughs> been made to share a bed with somebody. So I see. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're looking for a sign that you're in a cult, I feel like that's a good one. Um, that feels fair. Inside of One Taste, unsurprisingly, they called all outsiders asleep or muggles or in the matrix. These are all terms that I think are irritating and stupid. Um, (laughs) Uh, Also, like, they're literally all based on, like, mainstream movies you watched. How are you outside the mainstream? It's giving Disney adult, which I just pass. When you're right, you're right. Mm. Yeah. So um, that's a day inside the life there. Here's one thing that I did want to say, though, and I know we're running over, but this is relevant, I swear. So there were two things that were commented on a fair amount. One of them was that these are not community people. These are people who would love to be community people, don't realize it's an option, and so accidentally joined a cult instead. Correct. Um, (laughs) And so the community people know that communes rise and fall on the dishes as do marriages (laughs) like everything comes down to the dishes i could go on and on yeah communes have extensive extremely fair systems built in so that nobody feels exploited by the dishes and the dishes get done everything comes down to the fucking dishes in all relationships everywhere that's just how it is but these are not community people They want to be, they're trying to be, but they don't have the background of actually, like, they're all there on a weird sex theology, and they skipped the part where they actually learned how to, like, cohabitate with other people. So it's a constant complaint that there are, like, daily long meetings about dishes. (laughs) Like, it never stops being an issue because, like, they can't understand that actually that's actually more fundamental than whether or not you have orgasms every day. 
It's Truly. a topic of conversation in our apartment too, and I mean dishes. Uh, every day, it's a big. It's not really, but there was a, there really was a time where it was that serious. I remember that there was a time where we were having like a forum, and it was like, "Listen, I don't want to do another dish in this house until I see you do twenty five more." We both thought we were doing all the dishes. How is that possible? I don't know. I think one of us was lying. It was probably me. I had I lived with my my Zendiki boyfriend and obviously we're both from com- communal backgrounds and we understand dish systems and we lived with his douchey brother um, and his douchey brother didn't understand all of that. And so we just were on a dish rotation like I did them. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. Now it's my turn again, and, you know, on a rotation. And so he and I being from communes would take our dish turn after each meal, like get it out of the way, move on with our life. We were well conditioned to do that. And that makes a good housemate. His brother would slack the fuck off for three days and then there would be no dishes left in the house. And then every single time he would be outraged and he would be like, oh, what a surprise when it's my turn. There's all the dishes. There's never all the dishes when it's your turn. How interesting. And it's uh-huh. like, you you did this to yourself. So, <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. That guy was the worst. You're the worst. Anyway, um, here's the other thing. A lot of people mentioned um, they had communal showers. And a lot of people mentioned that like they had some of their best conversations inside of the communal showers. And they really missed that. So I know we're low on time, but I have to say it. I love communal showers more than anything else. They made me so happy. I would actually wait until other people were in the shower before I would go take a shower because I so enjoyed like the company and our shower house was really beautiful and had a mural and it was just lovely. And I loved just being like, Hey, how's it going over there? Can can you pass the Dr. Bronner's? Um, (laughs) So much so that to this day, alone showers are painful to me and I don't like to take them. So briefly I had a guy friend, um, he was my friend and we were actually writing a book together. And so we spent a lot of time together and we were just friends, but um, I would make him come in and continue the book writing process with me while I took a bath and washed my hair. For one thing, I felt like it was expedient. And for another thing, it solved my lonely shower problem. So it really felt great to me. I was like, what a solution. My friend can keep me company. I miss communal showers so much. And like, I'd say six months into doing this, somebody else was at my house when I was like, Hey, you know, you come jump in the bathroom with me while I take this bath. And it was another friend. And my friend was like, Hey, that's really weird. Do you understand that? That's weird that you keep making this guy sit on the toilet and chat with you while you take a bath. And I was like, no, baths are really lonely. I, I no, it's not weird. It's, it's, you should try it. And they were like, no, it's really weird. You should check in with him and see if he likes that. And I was like, well, you're crazy and Karen-y and boring, but yeah, okay, I'll check in with him. So I went to him and I was like, hey, does it is it weird for you that I make you like hang out with me while I take a bath? And he was like, yes, I hate it. It's really awkward. <laughs> Not where I thought that was going. And that's so fun. I love that he was like, yeah, yeah, it's the yeah, worst, Jesse. I've never liked it. For you. Like, please stop. So. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah, so. All right. So um, I'll just that is pretty much I've pretty much summed it up for you. I'm going to go through a couple of things here. I did tell you that a lot of people inside were encouraged to marry like fluffers were encouraged to marry the rich people to keep the group cohesive and to keep the money flowing. Um, And it did happen a lot, um, which is pretty manipulative and shitty. Um, Let's see. I'm just looking through. Oh, there was one guy who told his story and he came in as a young hot guy, which 
they didn't get as much of and we're happy to have because it kept the women in. We love um, a young hot guy in a cult. Very yeah, helpful so, for the cult. Yeah. So he was just out of college and had had a young child in college and was not enjoying the responsibility of having to be an adult when he didn't want to be. Um, and so Nicole absolved him of it in a meeting and said, oh, no, you're not. That's that's her problem. If she had a kid, that's not on you. You don't have anything to do with that. And he was like, oh, I was hoping somebody would tell me that I'm all in. So she end, ends up marrying him off to her second in command because um, he's hot and he's all in. Um and he becomes a really great like seller for the company. She makes him a priest in the religion part of it, right? And basically kind of takes a bunch of years from him and like totally obliterates the relationship with his son, which he's now trying to, um, you know, bring back when his son is like a teenager. So fairly shitty. I don't think that you should go around absolving people of their uh, responsibilities to their family. I'm just right. thinking out loud. I would have to agree. Yeah. So that takes us to now the where are they now is this. Um, Nicole, interestingly, right when all the court cases were coming up, right when all the podcasts and exposés were coming up, I mean, right before uh, little Martha Stewart action, little insider trading, she sold her stake in the company. Um it seems that she did it before it came out and it's a nice coincidence, but it's quite the coincidence. So I'm interested mm. in how that worked out. Uh, they are still currently, they still exist. They have rebranded themselves as two things. Uh, one is the Unconditional Freedom Project, which Nicole is heading up. It's um, basically teaching prisoners how to be monks in their head and not feel like they're in prison, which is a nice goal. Do I don't they understand. teach them how to then take their monkness and approach women at the parties and, and have sex with them? But only I can only assume yes. Not. <laughs> so. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, uh, but they have rebranded. They, they're the same company with a different name now. So that's exciting for them. Um, They're now called the Institute of Ohm. And so just a little recap, in 2014, One Taste was listed as uh, one of the 5,000 fastest growing companies in the world. In 2018, they closed and shut down all of their operations. They are since rebranding and and growing. So they are not shut down. They have the same curriculum. Um, And Nicole is involved in it again. Um, So that's that's where they're at now. Amarin. I don't think I have to ask you if you'll join this cult. (laughs) And you don't even have to ask me, but I will ask you this. Here's my question rather than that. How many steps in are you still a yes before you break off? Oh, oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know if I could get very far in on this one personally. I'm interested in... I'm really interested in the experience of like being more open and meditation and those things are all yeses for me. Like we were talking about the prana, like harnessing your own energy, all of that. So like from a, I'm wondering if from like a pre Google age, if I was seeing this group and just hearing Mm -hmm. from them, the intro of what they're Uh giving me their spiel, I'm interested. I'm interested. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a female centric thing. I like that. I'm getting a little closer, but then I feel like the second, and this is tough. Cause I don't know if I like couldn't leave by the time I was in this deep or what, but the second <laughs> that it was like, 
I could pick up on any of this non-consensualness, I've, I'm going to be running for the hills, man. Like any level of this, honestly, is going to be a turnoff for me. Um, obviously, I don't think this is like some super unique thing. But, you know, when I start hearing like, well, that's a guy. Yeah, like I, I have to have sex with that guy or like. I'm bringing this person, you know, all of that or sleeping with somebody that you don't want to sleep with, even just beside them um, in the bed. All of these things stress me out and make me feel like personal control is missing. So I feel like I could get as many steps in as you could get before that started showing up. And then I would start Mm. being like, oh, hold on. And then probably wouldn't get any good answers to the questions I started asking and would just have to bolt. Um, Also, if I'm ever in a sermon or whatever she calls it, where she's talking and she starts saying any of these outrageous oh. things we talked about, I'm out. You know, I'm, I'm pulling a Jesse. I'm pulling a Quaker Jesse. <laughs> I'm getting up. I'm flipping chairs. I'm like, yeah. you guys are monsters. No, you know, like I'm causing a problem if I'm in there and I hear some some nonsense, like some of the stuff you talked about this woman promoting. I'm assuming that doesn't just happen with the newbies, though. So I'm guessing it'd take a while for one, me to get to that stage. One would assume, although I actually don't know who she was talking to. She was just <laughs> wow. presenting, so. Yeah, so I, that's what I, I will say. Like, I have no idea when it would hit me because I definitely think they could get me as long as I didn't have any of this prep ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Interested. I think they could get me in. I could even show up, you know, and be like, okay, let's talk about this. What is this new AG kind of thing we're doing here? And yeah. then, yeah, I would look at like some panicked women's eyes and I'd start having a freak out, you know, wouldn't be good. I can't. Yeah, no, we probably, I probably end up like suing them. I'm guessing <laughs> there'd be like some sort of lawsuit. Yeah, right. going on. <laughs> uh, well, tell me about you. What do you think it, this is like for you? Lots of people have sued them. So if that's like any, any uh, comfort Does to make you, sense. Do- that many- is some consolation. Many, many lawsuits have come before. So that's, that's. Yeah, that's true. Um, I so I think that the order of things happening would very much dictate how far I stayed in. But for me, it's because if they broke me down early, I think I'd actually stay a lot longer because Mm -hmm. I think I would stop trusting my internal voice pretty quickly, which is how people do stay in this. Right. Because when it feels bad, they're going. But I know. And hey, man, this is how regular church got me too right because when you go hang on this gay person seems like a whole ass human being then your training goes (laughs) no that's that's you being confused by the devil and by the world it's true yes i'm glad you illustrate it like this because i I, that's also what i'm talking about when i talk about like getting in there because i know that i can think i know that works on me on some level but like I know it also doesn't to a certain extent, right? Right, like I right. remember the day that I was like, okay, so there's nothing wrong with gay people. <laughs> yes. They're really not doing a said damn thing wrong. <laughs> They're just living their lives. Got it. Oh, boy. <laughs> I remember that day. It was a tough day for me emotionally. Um, <laughs> I was, so that, that is a tough, like, obviously, like, you know, wow, 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 wow for the allies here. But, like, that <laughs> your ally watershed moment day when you grew up conservative. Oh man! I don't wish it upon anybody, man. You suddenly you're like, I don't. I might be a bad person, <laughs> for right? Real. And you because, are for a second. Yeah, it's it's. I think it was a lot easier to go. 
okay, uh, women are actually fine. Gay people are actually fine. (laughs) Like, you know, people who drive motorcycles or whatever it is. But then it was much harder to go. That means that I'm bad for thinking they're okay. And shedding that was much harder. But I think that that is probably the case for these people as well, right? Because I think that once, if you're broken down first, so I don't know the order, but if you're broken down first, if they kill you first, and then you're watching other people be abused, you're going, what the fuck do I know? I'm fucking nobody. I'm just here to learn. Right. You're like, well, I don't know what's going on with them. I don't know what's going on with this. You know, like you really, and I'm guessing like, I'm guessing you're describing exactly how it goes, right? Like I'm guessing that it's not what we talked about with me where I, as an outsider, walk in, sit down and hear the most inflammatory thing I could hear right from the leader's mouth. That's not Mm going to happen. No, probably what's going to happen is they're going to bring you in. It's going to be all great. You're going to get whatever their version of hibiscus tea is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, you know, you're going to get some some very mediocre substitute for hibiscus tea. Um, and, yeah, you're going to be sort of swept up in the moment. And then you're going to talk about all the stuff that's wrong with you and all of the really specific guilt reasons you should be tied to this group forever. And... Yeah, and then things start coming undone, and then people start gaslighting you and telling you that somehow it's your fault or your understanding that's limiting you, Mm. and oh, then you're in too deep. And that's, my friends, has been the human experience for a lot of people, I think, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, you know, like, it's not... I don't know. Sometimes people talk about being taken advantage of or like lied to and then like believing that lie, for instance, the believer, and they act like that's some sort of negative negative thing. But really for me, I I really don't associate any negativity with someone that comes with like a willingness to be involved in something and and to dedicate themselves in something. The for me, you know, like that the burden there falls on the corraller, the leader. Yeah. I think. And it's kind of like, well, that's where, yeah, the, the people coming in well-intentioned up until the point of which we drew the line of if you're in an audience and a woman is saying things like we were talking about earlier, you should be walking out. Obviously, that's not cool. But yeah, so it's a I think for myself, if they broke me down first, they'd, they'd get me a lot farther. Mm-hmm. But I do think like I'm fairly immune to pyramid schemes because I'm a broke ass girl. Um, yeah. And people, well, that's would, true. <laughs> it's people would recognize me for that right away. Um, so when it comes to these pyramid schemes, I'm out quicker, literally, because like, it's not really an option. I can't fucking afford that. And I can do the math on how much a double A battery costs, which is how I can have exactly the same orgasm just to infinity. So it just takes a double A battery, you guys. It's totally accessible. So... And and I can I can have any clinical discussion I want with a vibrator. It doesn't matter. You can any that you like. They're not going to hurt my feelings. It's... If you need to remember it for later, you can just turn your voice memo on, like I talked about last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you can play it back and make notes if that helps you feel any better. Yeah. Ladies out there, if you need a double A battery, uh, we could talk. I can 
We can set something up for you. We could potentially we can do, do like a sponsorship program and get you in touch with a AA battery that will fit your needs, suit your needs. All right. Target Target now sells vibrators that are rechargeable on your phone charger. So I don't, I think problem solved. Problem solved. Problem solved. If you'd like for us to compile a GoFundMe uh, to, for, <laughs> to, to get some good sex positive toys to keep us out of cults uh, yeah. going, just let us know and we'll get started on that initiative as well. Want to touch um, you? You probably didn't know about vibrators, but I think I just crumbled your empire. So. It's over uh, for you over. guys because it's so easy to just handle all that that handle. way, yep. hands free. Even uh, yes. no need for this weirdness. Um, you can eat ice cream at the same time. There's you've got nothing but options. I got to tell you the 21st century is full of some amazing inventions and mm. they really put pretty much everything you guys got going on over there in the dust. I hate to tell you this but yeah, yeah we got food delivery. We've yeah. got oh, yeah. <laughs> We've got hot water on demand. We have so many things that really for me Make up a reason you don't need to join one taste. <laughs> yeah. So listen, we'll all have some potlucks. Yes. And we'll just all hit target. Done yes. and done. Done and done. All right. Better I, luck next time, one taste. Yeah. Just give up. Put in the towel. Put in the towel. I don't know what's happened. Throw in the towel. Call it a day. Enough. You tried. You failed. I don't like this group. I won't be joining. I don't even think they're that wacky. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I'd give them like a one in the wacky them, scale. Yeah. Maybe a zero. It's just like nothing new for me here. This is just trauma and patriarchy repackaged. Mm-hmm. Um, an oversimplification, but still. And yeah, I'm not. I'm not in on it. I don't think there's a good aesthetic from the sounds mm-hmm. of it. I do think the t- uh, ritual dancing with, with snakes. Pussy. In yeah. like an orgy situation, that uh, I'm interested. Garden of Eden, yeah. good and evil, ooh, you know, fun. But no, um, nothing but else sounds good. That's no. another thing you can achieve at home. <laughs> Truly, you can have your Garden of Eden style orgy at home. All you yeah. need are blackout <laughs> curtains so the neighbors can't see. That's it. That's and and it. if you invite the neighbors, you don't even have to get those. So right. Yeah, we're solving all your problems. Little pro tip for you on your orgy planning. I have no experience with that, but let me help out. (laughs) All right, and so at the exactly two hour mark, you're welcome, everyone. Um, Apologies, I will say this: never apologize. So long, and thanks for all the orgasms. If you are loving Colts I Join and want to help us share the fun, here are some actions you can take. Subscribe and share the show on any podcast platform. Rate and review us on Google. This keeps us visible and gives an angel its wings. Or at least that's what our guru says. Follow us at Colts I Join on the .com, the Facebook, and the Insta, and then hit us there with all your comments, discussions, and questions. We really do love hearing what you think. Finally, a huge thank you to our co-creators. Editing and post-production is by DeverWeb, and the biggest thanks to the incomparable Miss Devin Spruill, our theme song creator and performer. You should go soak up her music right now. And that's it, y'all. Thanks for listening, and happy culting! Cult, I join.